the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. Hey, how you doing? This is the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson. From pheasant casserole to basics range iceberg lettuce in just five days. How about that, eh? I can eat good food, I can eat bad food for the good food, though. I, I think you need to invite me over. I think you need to invite me over. Pretty much free every night except Thursdays. Bear that in mind. Show 46, 2nd of February 2012, coming to you from SW8, Love, Lost and Lattes. Lots of lattes. Some hand cream, too. Uh, Asda Protect Cream for Dry Skin. Feeling the cold on my hands. It says on the back, try me, love me. I'm trying you because you're cheap. That's why I'm trying you. Thank God January's gone. February's stepped up the cold, though. Um, that bedroom of mine is freezing. Hope you're all well and keeping warm. Here's a little thing. I got in last night from my uh, evening walk. Um, it was so cold outside, I decided against calling a friend in from the street. Um... Always conscious around this time of the month uh, that I haven't used up my uh, minutes, uh, monthly minutes. So uh, friends started getting calls between the sort of first and the sixth of each month. Decided against making the call last night. Uh, wrapped the scarf around my face when it's this cold. That's what I did last night. I failed to cover the nostrils though. That's where I went wrong. Got in, snot running down my face. I was like the snotty kid at school. Both nostrils. It wasn't just the one. Both nostrils. At that moment, I looked at myself in the mirror and I thought, I've never been further away from turning this around than I am at this very moment. Anyway, kicking off with something positive this week, I had an email from Shadia Hamid, who oversees the community fundraising at King's College London and King's Health Partners. Uh, she got in touch regarding the uh, Keep Your Head appeal, which uh, uh, we launched uh, last October and ran until Christmas Eve. Uh, Dear Daniel, I hope your podcast were as much a success as your fundraising for the Morsley Psychotherapy Department at St. Thomas's. I've read some of the great comments left on your online page, and you've clearly made an impact on many people's lives. Well, uh, Anyway, uh, congratulations on raising £642.50, including gift aid over your 10-week podcast series. Um, the donations have come straight through to us, so there is nothing more for you to do. The donation will benefit users of the Maudsley Psychotherapy Service. A thank you letter and certificate of recognition will be sent out shortly. I wouldn't mind hanging up the certificate. I could uh, do with uh, knocking up my self-esteem, but obviously... Uh, Living in rented accommodation, I'm not allowed to hang anything up. Uh, once again, thank you for your time, energy and support. Warmly, Shadia. Uh, so thank you again, all of you who contributed to the Keep Your Head Appealed or helped in any other way. That was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that we did that. Couldn't have done it without you. As for me, uh, up and down week, <clears throat> hair. I think I was unsettled by that comment up north. Done me a bit of damage, you know, the whole thing about my hair being big at the back. I think it's done me some damage because I think they have a point. And uh, with that in mind, I've been speaking to the few people I've seen this week at an angle. Try to obscure the back of my head from them as much as possible. I've even taken to check in my head, uh, the back of my head with a mirror uh, frequently each day. Flattening it at the back with a lot of water. The thing that frustrates me is I could see when I was uh, in a salon having my standby haircut. Uh, I could see when the girl was cutting it last month that it was too top-heavy. 
Um, I was just waiting to to see if there was a a break in her story of how she left Hampshire and uh, you know went travelling for a year. Just just waiting for that natural break in the conversation so I could try and get her to uh, address the back of the head. But uh, the story uh, just went on. If I could see that the back of the hair was a bit big, why couldn't she? She went to hairdressing school after all. Frustrating. I've had a long-standing gripe in my cafe in that the regular customers, they don't place a high value on washing their hands. I don't think they value soap. I think it's actually something within my own community as well. I've noticed it in the Spanish community, rather what's left of it, but I've also noticed it out in Spain. I don't know. I don't know whether the uh, older people simply got used to growing up without soap in the years after the Civil War. I, I don't know. But I'm aware that very few Spaniards wash their hands as often as I do. I probably need to step back a little and wash them less. I did spend a few months last year, the end of last year, without the uh, hand gel. Which isn't as effective as people say it is, but it's something and it gives you peace of mind. But anyway, I was in there today in the cafe washing my hands. Uh, Went to use the soap, there was barely any soap. Went over to the women's soap dispenser, they had far more soap in there. And I was thinking, is this simply because the women aren't washing their hands? Or is it because the management have accepted that the male customers here... Uh, are less likely to wash their hands and consequently put the bulk of the soap in the women's dispenser. I don't know. I'm curious. Also this week, um, you know, working on the book, you know, I, I, it got me thinking. It, it, it triggered this sort of late 90s memory. Um, I remembered that for a good while, I mean, the cafe had probably been up and running for about three or four years, and I kept passing it and passing it, and it... Um, been built on the site of an old second-hand shop really dark looking shop junk shop really rag and bone men Birkin hair and uh, I kept passing this and I think basically the, the restaurant area was built first and I'd be passing it on the bus I'd be walking past never walked past on that side of the road so I never got a good look at it uh, I was always a bit curious but it was just a passing curiosity and I never came in here. it was about three or four years before I stepped in here I always took it for granted that I just, well I don't think I ever thought that I just discovered this place, I was aware that I was seeing it and that I was curious about it. I think I'd forgotten that for many years I'd just gone right past it. I'd never stepped in. I don't know whether it was something keeping me back or what, or I just didn't have that curiosity, or I was completely happy going to the Costa Coffee on Platform 9 at Victoria Station with Match, I don't know. But I, I suddenly remembered that this week as I was working on the book. Anyway, so I'm recording this show uh, in the afternoon. Uh, the school just across the road should be coming out right now, but it's very quiet out there. Not sure what's going on. It's not a half term, is it? I know there's a half term in February, but it can't be this early into February. Uh, this morning, I was uh, I was interviewed this morning, actually, uh, to, to discuss my work in the last year and the treatment I'd had at the Maudsley. And, you know, I was more than happy to do that. Uh, as I pointed out, though, to the, uh, the journalist, I'm aware that this increase in uh, profile of mine on the comedy front, on the, on the performing front, whatever it is, is damaging me in terms of 9 to 5 work. A prospective employer only has to uh, Google my name 
uh, as I'm sure they do for most people, and I'm probably in a bit of trouble. It wouldn't be a problem if I was still in a, in an industry where it's it's common for maybe writers and and, and performers to to be honest about their melancholy or, or their, their their troubles. But this is nine to five. That's the arena I'm in at the moment. And you know there is a stigma attached with depression. Um, I don't see how that's going to change. It's something that anybody can get, rich or poor. The difference is, as I, I, I try to make clear in the interview, that you know the rich can take time out and get better help uh, without the pressure that the uh, poorer man has to deal with. So I think the recovery for the wealthier man is easier. But you know, I accept. Uh, depression can, can can strike it can strike anyone down it has uh, it, it doesn't care whether you're rich or poor but if you have money if you have a better support network obviously the way you respond is likely to be better it's likely to be more positive you're likely to have a bit more of a chance that's not for everyone but you know it, it, it's likely and uh, actually one thing I forgot to mention uh, that that has made my situation slightly tricky this last week and, and it's something that's slightly marred my week up north is that you know I'm focusing on the uh, 9 to 5 search really stepped it up um, and I was I had an interview a couple of weeks ago and I uh, got called by the agency to say I've been given a bad reference by a former boss and I had to use him because everyone else had taken redundancy there um, this was a job I finished uh, just before Two or three months, no, about a, yeah, two three months before Please Don't Hug Me started in the summer of 2010, and uh, I didn't really see any problem with this guy giving me a reference. I'm not someone who will actually go out their way to ask someone for a reference. I'm not. I just find that a bit deferential. It's there. I've worked at you know at a particular place. You're the boss. I I just take it as a given that you're going to give me a reference. Obviously, I got it wrong with this guy. Um, as I said, I had to go. I had to use him because everyone else had gone. I was actually one of the few people to not just get on with him, but actually like him, and he seemed to like me. But uh, he gave me a very damaging reference last week. The agency let me know, which was good of them. I, I think it's damaged my chances of getting the job that I was going for. And I've now got an interview next week on the back of the experience I gained at this role working under this guy. It's within walking distance of my home. It's actually very near the hotel, actually, where I was staying. Um, I could save on travel. And, you know, I always do well when I can walk to work. Avoiding a commute always helps me. You know, I just pick up a coffee, uh, stick my headphones on, calm myself down as I walk, prepare for the day. It helps me get my head together. It's not just financially that I'm saving on a commute. So I've used this guy for the reference because, um, you know, I worked in this particular department, which bears... Uh, uh, the experience gained in this particular department would be very beneficial in this new role. So I'm in a real quandary now because I'm pretty certain I've got the reference, uh, sorry, the interview on the back of that experience gained under him. Uh, so it's a bit of a quandary. Uh, the law says that so long as a reference isn't misleading, nothing can be done unless it's damaging. Well, it's certainly damaging, but I've got to hold up my hands here and say it's not misleading. You know, what I've tried to do in these podcasts, and what I, what I think I've done easily, is to to be honest about things. And you know, I wasn't always the most honest guy back in the day. I've said it. I've I've told you all about my work exploits and uh, misadventures, and you know the trouble I got in. But um, never trying to lose sight of the fact that that has changed. 
Now, I was awful at this job. It wasn't entirely my fault. I wanted to quit after two weeks. I was already had that level of honesty in me at that time, Ultima 2009. Um, I just wasn't up to the job, that particular job. I hung on for the full seven months. I survived a, a disciplinary there as well, uh, Christmas 2009, after actually out of the blue running into uh, that girl from college who was on the uh, disciplinary panel. I hadn't seen her for about 16 years at the time and she really sort of pulled my ass out of the fire there along with another boss. But I was a mess. I was crap at this job. I wasn't understanding what was happening to me outside of work. I wasn't understanding that what happens to you out, you know, in your personal life will seep into your work in life. I wasn't coping with the guilt. I wasn't coping with the bereavements. I was struggling to survive in a relationship with a girl that obviously doubted my capacity to come through everything and would, you know, give me another year to show her that I would do so and I failed to do that. It was a, a weird interim period between the two breakdowns when I thought I was okay, when when I wasn't okay. It was a dull job, but you, you, you expect that really from most 9-to-5 jobs. The thing is, when I went to the next job, uh, this particular job wouldn't have recognised me. I didn't. I barely recognised myself. I was promoted within a month. I was working 50 hours a week in a very hostile, challenging environment, in which only my experience, I think, as a journalist and working to those kind of deadlines and that highly pressurised environment carried me through. And I was doing that for five months from the hotel. I barely believe that I was working to that level, but I recognise also that I maybe stepped up to that level because I couldn't deal with what was going on outside of work and how it was all escalating. And now I'm thinking I'm going to have to get in touch with this guy just to ask him to decline the reference, which will give me a problem because obviously a prospective employer is going to want to know why uh, a reference has been declined. But right now, him actually giving me this kind of reference is even worse. It disappoints me that he's done this. Uh, you know, why kick a man when he's down? Some people, I think, unless they've been down there, don't understand what it is to have to come back from something. This guy's on a, somewhere between 40 and 50 grand a year. He doesn't need to do this. He, he doesn't need to do this. He doesn't need to behave like this. It may be that he's one of them people who just has to have his say regardless. You know, he was one of those people when we were at work um, who, whenever he spoke, he would stand up to speak you know hands on hips he was a real poser or one of, you know he was one of those people who would jump into any long established conversation that had been going on while he was at a meeting and he'd come in and rather than just sit and wait to see what people are talking about he'd just step in right away i think some people things have gone so smoothly for them that they don't know what it is to have to come back from something they don't know how easy it is to lose your way through a sequence of mistakes and how hard it is to come back they don't believe that you can change as a, uh, as a person. Now, I know many things. I know many things that I still have to change, but I also know that I'm not the same person. The one thing I was in that job uh, was honest. I was honest to them about struggling to do the job that they'd got me in to do and that I felt I ought to go. They talked me into staying, um, which was, you know, I tried to write it out. Part of the problem was myself, and part of it was the lady that I was working for. Uh, I couldn't handle her. I, I found her very hyper. She, she never gave me ownership of any work. She talked to me like I was an idiot. Probably because, you know, I wasn't the full ticket at that particular point, uh, and the job just wasn't registering with me. Um, the three older male colleagues I had, this boss included, they, they were a common influence on me. I recognise at the end of the day... 
that regardless of your problems whatever problems you have you still have to do a job and I wasn't really doing it like um, you know like I said I had trouble working with this lady and I wasn't coping that well with things in general at least I know now what this guy thinks of me I'm not going to ask him for the reference uh, I'm going to ask him to, to, to decline it or I'm, I'm going to get in touch with the job and ask them to uh, uh, get a reference from from the girl from the uh, from the panel uh, who's still there for now and that's what she suggested uh, she's uh, she's really disappointed with this guy as well for acting like he's acted if I have to get in touch with this guy I'll be honest with him in you know in that as far as what he said about the job I did I don't disagree with him I can't I can't disagree with him why am I gonna fight him on that but uh, it really was the best I could do at the time that's where I was that's what I was who I was I'm trying to come back now. He's not helping me with that kind of behaviour. He doesn't have to help me, of course. He owes me nothing. But you know, I just wanted to take my, you know, take his foot off my throat for a bit. Uh, staying briefly on the job front, uh, job spec. I saw fluent German is not essential, but would be advantageous. I don't understand that. Surely, you know, the German is either needed or not. Another job spec that got my goat a bit. Seven GCSEs required for a customer service job. Why seven? Who arrived at that figure? It's a very specific figure. Did someone say, you know what, I think five GCSEs will be enough and someone else piped up at the meeting? Uh, you know what, I think it's seven. I think seven is essential to, to answer a phone. Let's make it seven. I don't understand that. Anyway, uh, I managed to get back to some semblance of writing form on, on the book yesterday. I was really struggling with it, labouring, really. The stand-up's progressing, sort of. I don't feel I'm on the cusp of a breakthrough yet with a new set, but uh, what I'm doing is trying to narrow the, 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 the options on the stand-up and just, you know, recognising that I'm a good enough writer, a funny enough guy to be able to make what I've written so far work. Um, that's a kind of frustration for me. I'm reasonably focused. I'm, I think I'm very disciplined, given the circumstances. It's just frustrating and sometimes disheartening when you're doing all this and you feel like things are not changing. I mean, January, January was brutal. It was, uh, it was brutal. But I've got through it. I've got through it with discipline. I'm trying to narrow that focus. I'm trying to think through each situation with clarity. Uh, trying to be strong. You know, and believing that at some point all of this has to pay off. It has to get better. It has to get better. When you work this hard to turn things around, there has to be some improvement, surely. So, you know, I got back from uh, from my trip last week. It kind of felt like I hadn't been away. But I knew, I know, rather, that I have to recognise that I got away. That I, that I took that break. And that I wish it had been longer, but that I got away. And it was a very positive thing. You're listening to the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. Love, lost, lattes, lots of lattes, SW8. Get in touch with the show, DRT at westegg1607.co.uk. 
you've got the Facebook group, uh, the Daniel Ruiz Titan podcast, and you've also got the blog, 1607westegg.wordpress.com. You can go on there for details on how to buy the first 43 shows, which are now no longer available anywhere. Um, I can feel this is going to be another long show. Uh, apologies for that. I, I think essentially it's just I don't have anyone to talk to. Uh, so I'm just talking to you. If you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. Been a week of uh, markings. Bizarre graffiti uh, has been appearing in the communal hallway in my block. We got notices that have been here since before I moved in asking people to keep the noise down, being, you know, they're being scribbled on. Now, I think these notices are always useful. Uh, it may be that you go through quiet periods in the, in, in the building, but they're always useful. They're, you know, it's the first thing people see when they come in. It's like it's kind of skull and crossbones. It's just, you know, reminding you that other people live here. You know, please keep the noise down. Uh, someone's written uh, on there in red pen, if this has now been sorted, can this uh, come down, i.e. can the notice come down, or, you know, can it instead be directed towards the right people? It may well be my new neighbour upstairs. It sounds uh, like the kind of uh, thing he might write, and I base this solely on him using the word unreservedly uh, to me last week when he apologised. Um uh, you know, you move in, you see a note like that, you may not have noticed it before and are worried it's either directed at you and you're aware that everyone else knows that you're the latest people to move in, or you worry that it may otherwise be suggestive of some long-standing noise problem in the block. Uh, someone's written twat below what he's written or what they've written uh, with an arrow pointing towards the latest comment in, in that red pen. You know, it's just given a, a, an unpleasant edge to, to, to life in the block you know why write in your own building uh, there's some graffiti on a wall there's some uh, uh, someone scribble also you know F off to the lettings agent which you know probably fair comment but still someone's also written across one of the lights it's like we've got suddenly some 18 year old kid living in the building Not, you know I, I, for me I, I kind of uh, I'd welcome such signs in, in, in my building you know keep the noise down shows people care but I just feel like uh, the block's getting a little immature. And I do want to move. I, you know, I find the flat is, is very niggly in general. But, uh, yeah, this graffiti development, it, it shouldn't unsettle me. But I, I just don't like it. It's uh, I don't like it what it hints at. The block's got a bit younger since I lived here. Um, someone else has daubed graffiti on my floor. Which is a bit of a giveaway. Because, you know, if I'm a detective and I'm coming in to investigate this... Uh, straight away, yeah, it rules out the people living out on the first floor. They've got no reason to come upstairs. Uh, some of the spelling also, like whatever, for instance, whatever's being spelt with an A at the end rather than E-R. You know, the retarded way rather than the proper way, suggestive of uh, the person behind it being, you know, someone in their mid-twenties or younger, someone who holds conversations with people without removing their headphones, uh, someone who spends their day updating their Facebook status. It's all making people very suspicious of one another. Who's behind it? You know, we might bump into each other in the hallway. We're all being, being, you know, being very polite with one another. But deep down at the back of your mind, you're looking at them, you're thinking, is that you? Is that you with that black marker writing everywhere? Meantime, uh, just around the corner from me, South Lambeth Road, Vauxhall bound. Uh, it's taking a real kick in from the dogs this week. I'm going to try to be careful about the kind of language I use. I don't like uh yeah I, I i'm kind of running out of euphemisms really i think for uh dog fouling 
we got a 300 metre stretch that this week has been hit by dog fouling in a way that I can't recall for some time. And it's all central. Usually it's the outer curb being hit or the shop front. Uh, this has been fairly central. So you're just trying to register where this stuff is and making sure that you veer to the left or the right. It's like a major oil spill. I've been making mental notes as I walk down since Monday. As I walk towards the cafe, I've been counting down lampposts, I kid you not. Uh, I know, for instance, after lamppost 5 that I need to steer myself towards the right <coughs> to avoid the first mess. I'm using uh, door number 237 on that road uh, as a guide as well. Obviously, that's of no use to me at night. And I was walking there this morning, well, earlier this afternoon, and uh, I'd, you know, I'd steered myself to the right, avoiding that first dog's mess. I've got two buggies coming towards me, one, on, uh, one after another. One of the mums, classic Lambert style, texting as her infant is crying. That buggy was only ever going to go through that dog mess. If I brought up a kid around here, the only way that buggy would come into my place was if I, I think I'd have to probably convert the hallway into one of those uh, preliminary disinfectant pores you step through before going swimming. We used to have one at Clapham Manor. Always filthy. I don't know whether what the purpose of that was, because we were still getting verrucas in that pool. So was that a was that pool to disinfect your feet, that preliminary pool, or, or was it to wash off the sock fluff? I don't know. I just remember it always being very dirty. Lots of hair. Where was the hair coming from? It was just feet in there. It was it was ankle not even ankle deep. Um <clears throat> Actually, here's the thing that gets me about parents is the way they put kids in their car seats. Uh, or they, you know, they take their, their, the, the uh, child's car seat when they're getting the kid out of the car and they'll put it on the ground level with dog shit. Then that car seat goes back in the car and the home. But more importantly, are you happy for your child to be seated level with dog shit? You know, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? The worst uh, dog mess today, though, was by the uh, finest grocers, stroke fishmongers on uh, South Lambeth Road. And it was a, you know, I don't want to go into too much detail here. It was a fresh one, too. Fresh one, too. It's since I noticed on my way back that it had been uh, dealt with, but it had caused significant staining on that paving stone. And the poor woman, I'm not her biggest uh, biggest fan, because she's quite rude. Uh uh, you know, she's pushed in in other shops ahead of me. You know, I'm trying to top up my Oyster card and she's trying to push in. Like being a shopkeeper uh, allows her to just get served whenever she wants in other shops. It doesn't work like that. But anyway, I feel sorry for her today. Uh, no one displays her greens quite like her. And right by that display of greens today, you know, cabbages and uh, greens and cauliflowers was a huge dollop of dog turd. Why? Why would you do that if you're a dog owner? You know, why would you do that first of all? Uh, you know, and I don't care about the whole bagging up thing, to be honest. That, as I've said, that doesn't quite work for me. But, uh, you know, to do that right outside a shop, that's going to hit business. It's one thing doing it outside the bookies, you know. I mean, Coral Bookmakers, it's just, it's, it's an absolute mess. I saw something outside that bookmaker's a year ago, and I've I visualised the exact paving stone that got hit, and I've never walked across that paving stone since. But, you know, why do it outside of grocers? Who's going to walk past there and feel hungry when they see that, you know, that, that thing outside there right by the, 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 the vegetables? Who's going to think, yeah, you know what, I fancy some fish today. Uh, I might have it with a bit of salad as well when they see that. Disappointing.
Very, very disappointing. But uh, anyway, so I was in the cafe today. I was preparing the run-in order for the show. And uh, I was at my usual table. And this uh, white middle-class uh, man arrived with a, a very curvy female colleague. And uh, his arrival had coincided with me trying out a new way of raising the uh, tall latte glass to my lips. I was wrapping my hands around the top of the glass for no discernible reason. I'm a... Uh, I'm a man of many affectations, um, introducing them to my life after much consideration. Very few things are spontaneous with me. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm a man of many affectations, uh, but this, I don't think, was one of them. I genuinely didn't know why I was holding the glass like this. It, it was The way I held it was the equivalent of a smoker keeping a lit cigarette hidden from view in their hand. You know, like you don't want your parents to see you smoking. That's how, that, My uncle still smokes like that. It's, a, it's an action completely lacking in any grace. Actually, another thing that I've noticed and battled with as I approach middle age is having to adjust to the fact that I'm often so much older than the people I come across now, like this man, who probably is years ahead of me in terms of uh, maturity. But uh, age-wise, I think I've got a few years on him. <clears throat> Although, uh, you know, I do look young. Let's not forget that. Anyway, he's very softly spoken. I, I think he might at best be in his mid-30s. But his confidence means he he comes across as older to someone from my background. I think that's that's what it is with me. The better educated always... You know, that, that confidence always comes across to someone like me. Numerous media meetings and horrific government admin roles over the years have seen me encounter, you know, many of these people, many public school kids. And, you know, just as I'm struggling to get my head around them... I can see them struggling to get their heads around my nasal South London accent. I've been seeing this guy in the cafe for years. He works locally. Every time he's in the cafe, he's holding one-on-one -on -one meetings. I, I, I suspect it's an extension of the breakout zone for him. They've probably got a breakout zone in their office. It looks like that, that kind of place. He looks like the kind of young manager who'd be comfortable with that. But uh, he's now gone one further and he holds these meetings in the cafe. I sometimes wonder how he decides that a particular meeting would work better if it was held in the cafe. Does he plan it in advance? Maybe five or ten minutes into a meeting, he'll suddenly rise from his desk, tell his colleague they should continue in the cafe, pretending it's a spur-of-the-moment thought. I suspect that's how I'd play it. I'd pretend it was spontaneous, but I'd probably stayed up all night trying to nail it down, trying to nail down how I was going to play it, at what point in in the meeting I was going to stand up. So, you know what, let's, get, let's go to the cafe. Um, having said that, also, it, you know, if I was a colleague... And uh, let's just pretend for a moment that this man also takes male colleagues to the cafe. I think I'd dread a cafe meeting with him because I think I'd be worrying about who was paying for the coffees at the end of it all. I mean, how does that work? Can you just buy your boss a coffee? After hours at some work gathering, I'm sure you can. During work hours at what is a work meeting, I think buying them a coffee might be awkward. I don't know if they'd be comfortable with that. He's got this... Uh, <clears throat> Very ordinary hairstyle, very yeah, short and unambitious, just about long enough on, on the top for the simplest of side partings. It's the kind of hair I saw on many of the kids at infant and primary school in the late 70s, early 80s, particularly the Irish kids. You know, the age when parents are still deciding what haircuts their kids can have. The style of hair I always wanted so I could look like a boy rather than the girl I was, you know, frequently mistaken for. The kind of hair that my dad never let me have. The hairstyle I had to... I had to take for myself back in that fateful summer of 81. And in all the years that I've seen this man coming into the cafe, I've never seen him even attempt anything different with his hair. Let me let me just take a blast of my uh, nasal inhaler. 
been a while actually since the uh, mysterious sender has sent me a new one of these. Been getting them sent to me uh, since the summer. I think about three or four sent to me now. Uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, look, look, let, let, let me be clear. I don't think this man's failure to try anything different with his hair is, is a bad thing. It hints to me at a man who's comfortable with who he is, which is important. And as I've said before on here, I think sometimes as a man, life is all about finding that hairstyle that you're happy with, knowing that's your look till the end or until baldness comes for you. As you get older, your health diminishes, you become concerned that after being together for so long, your woman might be looking to have an affair. I can see that not having to plan your next haircut will be one less thing to worry about. This man's unassuming hair is one less thing for him to concern himself with. He'll have his regular barber. Uh, you know, he'd certainly have the money for a you know, salon visit. Uh, I mean, if I've got it, he certainly has it. But I don't think it'd be necessary for this simple hairstyle. It's a hairstyle a barber can do easily. And he's never going to have to experience that nervous moment of showcasing a new hairstyle, watching people that know you struggle to, to, to accustom themselves to your new look. It's something, you know, few men find that elusive and definitive hairstyle. That's, that's why, in addition uh, to being the finest holding midfielder of his era, I always admired the former Dutch and uh, Milan footballer, latterly Barcelona coach Frank Rijkaard. Uh, I, I admired him for his commitment to the same hairstyle. From the moment I first saw him as a, a, as a player in the mid-80s, you know, way before Euro 88, my, my dad's cousin used to have uh, cable and uh, they used to see uh, Spanish football, they used to see Dutch football, they used to see English football there live. The Scandinavian feed. The Scandinavians, I think, have been showing live English football since the uh, 60s. So I was very, very familiar with Dutch football. And I'd always had a thing for Dutch football ever since I was you know, six, seven years old. Saw them at the Argentina 78 and Cruyff was a big footballing idol. And Rijkaard, ever since I saw him in the mid-80s, had had the same short back and sides with the dreadlocked fringe. Uh, a look long forsaken by his uh, his fellow Dutch teammate Rud Hullet. It's a it's a hairstyle that even in the mid nineties was questionable. And for me, there's something to admire about the fact that a decade and a half later, Rijkaard has retained the same look, just greyer. It's a look that in those subsequent fifteen years has never threatened to once again become fashionable. But he still has it. You've got to admire that. And like Rijkaard, this man's uh, a good-looking guy. He appears from these meetings to surround himself uh, with very pretty female colleagues. In all the years I've seen him coming in here, he's never had a conference with an ugly woman. I'm assuming if I'm aware of this, his female colleagues are aware of this. I I imagine they all compete to see who gets to, to, to go to the cafe with him. And if he feels one of the women starts to feel a bit proprietal about him, he's probably drop her like a stone, move on to another colleague, just to let her know how things work. And then I also think that the... Um, the hair might also be a clever tactic. Uh, the intention might be to reduce the possible discomfort of his female colleagues' boyfriends who may have met him at after-work gatherings, been unsettled by his good looks and their women's obvious comfort around him. If and when, you know, they, they, they might wonder whether their women are having a fling with a the boss, they might offer up the man's strikingly average hairstyle, I think, as the most obvious reason why their partners will go nowhere near him. So anyway, I'm in there and I'm watching them. And anyway, you know, this this uh, this young blonde, she can't take her eyes off the boss. She doesn't look like she would mention this lunchtime coffee with the boss to her partner if she has one. He's, uh, he's He had his legs stretched out as if uh, looking to deliberately draw attention to the fact he's wearing flamboyant red socks, which are totally adults with his common coiffure. 
given their proximity to the loos um, where they were sat, and I don't think he normally sits there. He normally sits over there on the other side of the cafe by the uh, foldable doors. I don't know how he'd handle it if one of the cafe's serial toilet offenders were to strike during their meeting. Would they, as uh, colleagues, know each other well enough to be able to make light of it? Perhaps he doesn't care. You know, perhaps if you're the boss, you, 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 you figure that if this proves to be a problem for, the, for, for your female employee, you can always dismiss her on some trumped-up charges. So he ordered them two coffees. Uh, she declined anything to eat. Uh, the waiter was leaving with their order. The man called him back. He asked for a Snicker bar for himself. I'm thinking, you know, he looks a bit too pleased with that order. Maybe he thinks it's quirky. Maybe he thinks it's quirky. Maybe he just needs something to do with his hand. And then what happened is at the table in front of them, a young red-headed girl arrived. She arrived with a, a, an elderly woman. Uh, they came to a stop in the middle of the cafe. One of the waiters was delivering a, a flaming chorizo to another table. It's a burning, meaty smell. It's a nice smell. And uh, it reached my table. I couldn't help but look over. Normally, I'm quite disciplined. I'm disciplined enough not to glance up when meals are being taken to, over to diners. They don't need to know how hungry I am. Uh, today, I failed. Having let the waiters pass, so, you know, the girl, the elderly woman, they take one of the central tables. The grand is sitting right opposite myself and Mr. Snickers. Um, very quickly, it's clear to me that the girl has uh, adenoid issues that bring to mind Grange Hill's greatest entrepreneur, Luke Gonch Gardner. Uh, joined Grange Hill, I think, around 84. Great, great character. Very underrated. Possibly second only to Tucker Jenkins. So they're sitting down. <clears throat> As they sit down, excuse me, I learn that the old woman is the girl's grand, and I soon hear that she's lost her freedom past. They appear to have gone shopping. The girl's got lots of, uh, you know, trendy uh, paper bags with her clothes shopping. The girl's on the phone. She's reporting her grand's missing card on her mobile. She asks her grand a surname, which strikes me as somewhat surprising, but then equally astonishing, she asks her grand her date of birth. And I'm thinking, you know, if I had grandparents, I wouldn't have needed to ask them these type of questions. But she's asking them, the grand replies, and as she does, she hitches up her dress, unusually high, uh, I'm immediately thinking, because she's in a public place, and she's scratching her exposed inner thigh in a rather rather unfeminine manner, using all four fingers and the thumb. <clears throat> you know, when, when someone's using their thumb to scratch, you know that is an itch, that's a serious itch, that's a deep itch. And it's likely that if I hadn't been so startled at seeing so much of her leg that uh, I might have caught her full date of birth. I only caught the year, 1941, a year before my mum's uh, birthday. Uh, birth. Uh, the grand then had another scratch. She's coming as close as she could possibly get to scratching her crutch, I was thinking, without actually scratching it. My mouth wanted to squirm. I, I, I held my lips together with my left hand. I gripped my mouth in almost the same disagreeable way. I just held my glass. And I was attempting to forget what I what I had just witnessed. I needed to forget it. I still have uh, plenty of friends whose parents are as old, if not older than both my parents uh, would have been had they still been around. My aunt and uncle, indeed, are, are, are both older than my parents would have been had they been around. Um, I often think whether friends will have noticed their parents starting to scratch their inner thighs in public in such an ugly fashion as this woman was. It, it does get me that both my parents were survived by siblings uh, 20 years older than them. Most of the time, you know, I'm convinced that I'm not going to make 60 because of some congenital weakness, you know. Um, but then I, I you know, I, I, I look at things with my head and I look at how they were survived by so many of their peers. 
And I think, well, that must have been the poverty of Mayflower that took them both out early. The cold did for them, and I need to remember that I managed to get out of Mayflower years ago. Obviously, naturally, with me, such a positive uh, <coughs> spin on my parents' passing rarely lasts most uh, most of the time. As, as With 40 closing in on me, I, I steal myself what I'm almost, uh, almost certain must be the final third of my life. And... You know, I'm looking at this woman, I'm thinking, you know, I doubt if I'm going to get to her age. And uh, the girl, she ends her call, she informs her grand that her freedom pass is going to be replaced within seven days. She begins to watch some video on her phone, completely ignoring the grand. The noise from the phone is uh, having to be endured by the, the rest of the cafe. The waiters are probably thinking, not again, we have to tell some other moron here to, to turn their music down. The grand, she thanks her granddaughter, she has another scratch, lifts the dress up again. I mean, she can't even scratch through the dress. She's lifting up the dress. That That's how severe the itch is. She's she's biting on her bottom lip, as she does. I can't recall seeing a woman of any age scratch themselves so freely like this. And I, I was just amazed at how unconcerned she was that the grim spectacle was being witnessed by so many people. And it was the same area of skin again. What type of rash, I wonder, could a woman of her age, with her sex life now mostly most likely, uh, you know, consigned to the distant past, have. If the granddaughter wasn't so captivated by her, her iPhone, you know, it might have been that she would have been aware of her grand's unseemly itching. She could have had a quiet word with her. Uh, but she was engrossed on the phone and we had to suffer this. Given that this then may be the final third of my life I'm entering, I, I console myself that I'm unlikely to ever leave, ever live long enough to, to, to lose a partner and find myself on the dating scene in my 60s and 70s seeing women like this who quite simply appear to have forgotten they were once objects of desires yet yeah, this woman lacked the wherewithal to see that you know scratching herself like this in public is most likely to lessen any man's desire to live to her age if that's the kind of woman available to them yeah as men we have to brace ourselves for being with women with thinning hair varicose veins droopy breasts all manner of skin growths skin tags you know, as well as knowing we're probably the last men to be sampling those now damaged goods. And likewise for women, you know, you know that you're getting, you're, you're, you're the last woman for that man. You're not getting a guy in his peak years. But nonetheless, short of options, we, 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 we do what we can to make that adjustment. We, we can't have our final lovers, though, scratching like that in public. That, that's, that's a step too far for all of us. And as she continued to scratch again, I just felt like going up to her table, recommending some E45 to start off with until she could maybe get an appointment with her GP. Meantime, the man who was taking big confident bites of his Snickers, uh, and I was suspecting he might have ordered this simply to have an opportunity to showcase how good and strong his teeth are. I, I'd noticed uh, he had a very healthy gum line. He was opening his mouth unusually wide for what was a, an average sized chocolate bar. There's no need to open your mouth so broadly just to eat a chocolate bar. Um... I had some chocolates left over from Christmas. I came back. Uh, I opened a flake, which, by the way, they're not the easiest uh, chocolates to unwrap. I opened a flake. It's thinner than a Snickers. Uh, I understand that. Uh, and I put it in my mouth. And I took a bite. And really, I, it, there was no need for me to open my mouth as wide as this guy was for the Snickers. Uh, but this guy didn't need to open his mouth that wide. That's, that's my point. You don't need to open your mouth that wide for any chocolate, as far as I can see. And... Uh, the funny thing is, he was, he was he was eating his chocolate, and uh, then I saw him notice the grand scratching away, and suddenly his chewing motion appeared as out of kilter as a hard uh, Morton Harkett, 
and his uh, appalling lip syncing on top of the pops back in the 80s. You know, Morton Harkett was the worst mimer I've ever seen in music. He just could not do it. He wouldn't even bother to do it. He wouldn't even mime in the direction of the mic, which defeated the whole point of having the mic there. And the man turned away, and I could see that, you know, he was struggling. He was struggling with what he was seeing. Meantime, I was continuing to hold my mouth in place. I was trying to curb its natural tendency to shift to the side like a stroke victim upon witnessing something as dreadful as this. But I was looking at this man, and I thought, it's probably worse for him because his background means he's likely to live into old age. If I'm moving into my final third, he's just edging towards the midway point of his life. You know, this is a public schoolboy. He, he's, he, he's not even lived half of his life. Should he outlive his partner? These are the kind of women, you know, unless he cuts a sway through the age ranges and decides to grow old disgracefully with some woman under 40, these, these, are, the, these are the women that he will be seeing. I don't have to worry about that. I'll be long gone. So I'm about 10 weeks away from turning 40. Critical that I check myself for lumps, I think now, on a regular basis. Not easy to do in rented accommodation. Not easy to do when you've got a two-seater sofa, tiny two-seater sofa, when you've got a subsiding front room floor, when you've got blinds. It'd be easier to do, I think, if I had net curtains. I'd be able to do it during the day, make better use of the light try checking myself on the sofa I'm sinking into it can't get a good look at what I need to do uh, the cold's got my hands chapped I'm, I'm using the uh, Asda smart price moisturizer but it's not really doing what it needs to do I don't trust my hands alone to find anything you know I want to get a you know I want to look properly uh, shining a light 60 watts not enough if I turn to a 100 watt bulb though it's like I'm you know it's like I'm shooting a film there uh, you know, uh, checking myself on the bed, that's out, the bed's too high because of the bedding. So a bit of a quandary. I, I, I would imagine that uh, checking yourself for lumps is probably easier to do. Uh, you know, if you, if you own your house and you've got better, better quality furniture, if you've got a warmer flat and you don't need so much bedding, but, you know, I've got about 50 togs on there, it's not easy. Time for a, a, a Nectar Points update and a momentous Nectar Points update. Spectacular. Taking 46 weeks to get to this uh, this point, arguably my best ever nectar points usage. And uh, even though I racked up the points, as you'll see, I still had the foresight to go for the bag reuse and score a couple of points on that. Um, what I did is uh, I had a I had a voucher for uh, if you bought uh, two Sainsbury's, uh, either you know Italian or Mexican uh, jars sources uh, jars of sauces, uh, you'd score I think 80 points. Uh, I scored. It was a, it was it was a fairly big uh, shopping spree for me. Sixteen pounds sixty. So I earned thirty two points, but the extra points I earned were one hundred and twelve. I don't know how I scored one hundred and twelve because uh, the voucher said it was eighty points, but uh, one hundred and twelve went through. Uh, so I ended up with a closing balance of two hundred forty eight. I think I've actually got about just under two hundred sixty points now. This was a couple of days ago, but I was really pleased with that. I was also pleased that I had the. Uh, maturity to, to make the bag reuse count as well all these little points add up uh, but I, I never got carried away uh, you know remember as uh, Gary Barlow once famously saying never forget where you're coming from so uh, 
within this uh, shopping spree, and I am calling it a spree by my standards, I threw in a, a 24p Basics uh, hair conditioner. And I think what they say with the conditioner is, look, you can have this. That's what a shop's saying. You can have this for 24p, but for this price, this is the crap screw top you're going to get with it. You know, when you're having a bath or you're having a shower, you're going to have to unscrew this before your shower, before your bath, or you're going to have to struggle as you're washing your hair and unscrewing it, or when you've got a bit of shampoo in your eyes when your hands are greasy from the shampoo. This is what you're getting for this price. I'd rather pay an extra 10 or 15p and have them, uh, I think for that price, you could probably uh, be within your rights to expect a better, a better top on the uh, conditioner. Uh, some bad news, Diet Blue Bolt has gone up now from 47p to 50p. I don't like buying things when they're a big round number. 50p seems a, a bit of an extravagance now for a Diet Blue Bolt. So what I've done is I've gone to the uh, shop uh, a couple of doors away from me and got an uh, energy drink. I think that's what it's called. Uh, made by Euro Shopper, 35p, but probably loaded with sugar. Um, yeah, so pleased. Very pleased now. It's only two or three weeks since I got my free observer and I'm already, you know, halfway there to, to, to get my next observer. So uh, very, very pleased. Uh, experience last night in Sainsbury's. Uh, you know, woman, not very attractive woman, checking me out. But, uh, you know, everything's good for the confidence. And funnily enough, uh, we were in the healthcare aisle and uh, I then reached over to the top shelf to get my 40p basics range cod liver oil capsules. And straight away she lost all interest. She knew at that moment that I wasn't any good to her. She knew whatever dreams she had, I wasn't the man who was going to help her realise those dreams. So uh, actually, here's uh, here's uh, another little thing from the cafe. Uh, uh, as I was in there earlier preparing, uh, you know, doing the running order for this, blah blah blah. There's uh, a little girl who's always in there, uh, very cute, very curly hair. Uh, she's probably about two or three years old now. Adored by the waiters. Um, even the Narky waiter, the one uh, who I saw last summer in his flat, uh, topless, uh, lifting the sash window, and he saw me, and, uh, you know, things have been pretty bad between us ever since. Um, anyway, she came in, and there were loads of uh, mums with kids there at that point, but it's apparent that this girl, it's so obviously apparent to anyone that this girl is the favourite of the waiters, and, uh, you know, they were all cooing over her. None of the other toddlers were getting the attention she got, uh, and even this snarky little waiter I refer to, um, you know, he was all over the kid in a uh, uh, in a way you don't usually see with him. He's a very uh, standoffish guy. He always looks like he's going to kick off. And I was thinking I wouldn't really like that if I was one of the parents. Uh, if my kid was just getting ignored and the other kid was, uh, you know, getting all the attention. But I, I think I'd be resigned to it. I think I, I, I accept that my kid will most likely inherit my low-key, half-empty personality. Not even half-empty, really. It's more like, you know, what kind of glass is this? And last night, uh, I was in there. You know, I really am struggling for other things to, to do. I, I do need to find some other interests. Or interests. And uh, problem this week in the cafe. Exchange hellos with a regular customer on consecutive nights. Don't really speak to him. There was a, an issue there a couple of Christmases ago, Christmas Eve, uh, the night before Christmas Eve 2010. I was in there uh, a night. I blogged about, and he started talking to me. And we, yeah, you know, the thing is, I like him. I would like to talk to him, but uh, it would blow my anonymity. And uh, I, I'm very conscious that if uh, 
more people start reading my work locally, then uh, I've got a bit of a problem there, given some of the stuff that I, I, I do write. And also, you know, it's a, it's the place where I go to work and I need to focus there. So, I, I t you know, I keep myself to myself. But I, I found myself instigating these hellos. That's where I am right now. I think that's a sign of how lonely I am. Last night he evening me. It's an evening. I missed it. I saw him enter the loos. He's going through the saloon doors. And uh, I gave him the evening back. Uh, just as he'd gone through the doors and he was so pleased by that he came out and the doors were swinging again just to acknowledge that I had responded and then as I left I goodnighted him and uh, you know he's, he's pleased with it I think he's probably telling his wife who's always there you know uh, this you know this could finally be something might finally be talking to this guy he is a very excitable chap his wife went off into the loose he was off on his travels again he got up he went over to a table uh, to the left of me, invading this guy's personal space. The guy is reading a book. He's gone up there to the guy, really close up to him, uh, standing right by the empty chair. And he says to him, I've read that book 20 years ago. And I've seen him pull this move before. He always gets you, uh, you know, there's always some book that you have that he's, he's, he's read before. I don't think there's a book that he hasn't read before. So whenever I have a book with me, I take great care so that he can't see the spine or any of it. Not, not Which isn't easy because I don't have the biggest hands. What was interesting is he started speaking to this guy in that Steve McLaren foreign accent thing. That's how he started speaking to him. You know, uh, I, I read that book 20 years ago. You know, he's, he's given it that. And he's never met this guy before. He's ascertained this guy was foreign uh, and started speaking to him with this Iberian lilt. And he, he's based this accent purely on taking a look at the guy's skin tone and assuming that he was from the Iberian Peninsula. Very risky, very risky maneuver. He asked him his name. Started speaking to him for a bit, and uh, yeah, just confirmed to me uh, that that my uh, anonymity would be uh, shattered, really, if I if I got into any more than the hellos that we've exchanged. Because uh, he loves to talk; he's a raconteur. He loves to talk. Had an email from uh, Paul Gaffey in uh, Japan. He started listening to the show over the last two or three weeks. Uh, I really do. Uh, uh, like this email actually uh, Daniel let me start by saying I love the show it was recommended to me by my sister and I now eagerly anticipate each podcast your subtle ability to marry tragedy neurosis and humour is very impressive I can relate a lot to your monologues I have a Spanish parent and was deep in that community growing up too moreover I know a lot of Spaniards in the Guildford area I'm always impressed when people uh, get a moreover into a sentence I don't think I've ever been able to pull that off um, it's a moreover is more impressive than a, a, a nonetheless. It's in that ilk, but it's a higher level. Uh, uh, moreover, I know a lot of Spaniards in the Guildford area, so there is even a chance that we may know the same people. Not that that makes any difference to anything at all. I'm not. I have no connection to Guildford uh, at all. I have a cousin in Guildford, but that's uh, he only settled there, you know, after he got married. But we're, we were all in uh, South London. There used to be more Spaniards in South London 20, 30 years ago, but they uh, they all pissed off except us. Um, right, uh, enough arse licking, uh, says Paul. Uh, I live in Japan. Your audience has made Japan. The glass half full guy would consider that a major accomplishment. The, heart, uh, the glass half empty guy would just consider it par for the course podcasting on the world wide web. That said, it meant I got your dud observation about colonial Brits with yellow fever. In my 10 years in Japan, I'd say that this type of guy you describe is very limited in number. I'm half Irish Jippo, half Spaniard who came here on a wing and a prayer to teach uh, teach English after uni. I definitely do not fit the bill that you described. That said, I have shagged more women in the last year alone uh, 
than most adult men do in their lives. So perhaps the attraction angle is valid. For your information, I am going bald, have slightly protruding man breasts, but still manage to be successful. I make no excuses for any of this, nor care if others do. I will be spreading the word of your podcast on a pan-Pacific scale. Un abrazo y una patada a la misma vez. Paul Gaffey. Uh, you can follow Paul on Twitter at P, that's P for Paul, uh, B for brother, uh, Gaff. Uh, PPS, your observation is probably more aimed at expats in Hong Kong. Bankers, brokers and the like, an awful, awful bunch, but definitely not typical of Brits in Asia. I think uh, I was probably making the... uh, The observation was based on what I see in London and from a certain type of guy. It's not a working class thing, it it is a middle class thing. I think it's a colonial hangover. Uh, White British males do like their oriental women and that's, uh, that's apparent alone in London from what I see and I think my curiosity is how do they find these women? Are the women coming here? Because I know that, uh, you know, I, I have a, I know people in Japan and they, they do say that oriental women are very into western males. So is that happening over there? Is it happening uh, via the internet? Or is it just happening here? Uh, Japanese women coming over here specifically to target Western males. Um, naturally, I'm mindful given Paul's sister introduced him to the show that she might be listening. So uh, I emailed Paul back seeking confirmation um, that I could read his email out. Or if I couldn't read it out entirely, what part I could read out. Paul came back uh, quite magnificently, really. Uh, Daniel, I give you full disclosure. One of the benefits of living so far away from the UK is that I can control things like a family backlash by ignoring it. It would be an honour to be mentioned on your show. By the way, I noticed the erroneous use of your in my last email. I should have written your, uh, as you well know. Uh, apologies for the appalling mistake and any other typos. As an aside to my comments on Asian women, I should point out that I am now dating a Cameroonian ex-stripper. A very attractive woman, uh, woman with surprisingly large hands and a deep chesty laugh. Make of that what you mill best. Paul Gaffey. Uh, as I said last week, um, and I'm intrigued by this, Paul is obviously out there and he's having a hell of a time. He's having a hell of a time. He's, he's, he's working his way through the continents. I don't think this man's done. Uh, I, it doesn't strike me like he's ready to come back to Britain right now. He's having uh, too much fun. He doesn't strike me as a man who's ready to settle down either. Um, he strikes me as one of them guys maybe... Uh, you know, maybe, um, and I mean this in a good way, uh, aging, uh, you know, midfielder, maybe, uh, uh, you know, his best days in the Premiership are over, but he's gone to play in a different country with a, you know, a weaker league, and you will be exotic over there, and, and you revel in being exotic, and suddenly you've got this new lease of life, and you're making major inroads into areas that you probably didn't expect to be making inroads into. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I've made major incursions myself into many parts of the world, woman-wise, but uh, not Oriental, as I said last week. I don't know about Paul, but the biggest issue for me, and I'd be curious, actually, I'd like to hear from Paul on this. He, he strikes me as quite a worldly guy who probably wouldn't be troubled by food, world foods. But the biggest issue for me, dating women from around the globe, has always been the food side of things. I'm, I'm no fan of uh, world music. Uh, uh, on, on the world food front, I have improved significantly in the last 10 years. Uh, I think purely down to circumstances, I, I, I realise I can't be as fussy as I was when my mum was around. I eat a hell of a lot more food than I used to, but there's still stuff I can't do. Thai food, uh, largely because of the sauces, but also partly because I find it a bit wanky when you got, like, pubs in Clapham, you know, making a big deal out of uh, Thai green curries and all that nonsense on a Sunday afternoon. Sushi's another one that I, I, I can't ever see myself getting into. So often I, I, what I would do is cut these relationships short before I got the invite to go around for dinner. Um, it might be, you know, in the past that I'd have gone to a restaurant with a girl, but that, that that's kind of neutral. You'd have the menu to choose from. 
but then you fear the invite if the relationship goes on a little too long you've got the invite to their house you're on their turf you know uh, i i I've, I've gone over to you know see a girl before she's from the other side of the world she opens the door she's wearing tribal gear yeah seriously uh, you know you go around they open the door they're in robes and a headdress you can smell some weird spices happened to me in north london once uh, on the harangay ladder and i was thinking you know bushmeat readily available around here if you know the right people i spent the whole night querying every single ingredient uh which to be fair to the girl uh you know she she answered every question that i asked uh, it's just i couldn't really understand it because she was grinding down the bones with her back teeth but it was a very uncomfortable night i learned a lot from that i learned how limited i am when it comes to uh, world foods See, I've started humming recently. It's been pointed out to me. I'm not sure what that's about, but I noticed I was doing it in the cafe earlier as well. Um, not a good singer either, so I'm assuming that if you're not a good singer, you're not a good hummer. I um, just want to read something out that I, uh, I found on a, a, a counsellor's site, uh, Counselor Nina Tame, uh, who's got the uh, I See a Beautiful Future uh, .com uh, site. It's something that got me uh, thinking a little the last uh, few days. Uh, think about your best friend or the best friendship you've ever had. Think about uh, how much you love that person and how you would forgive them pretty much anything. It's not to say you can't see their faults, but the good far outweighs the bad and anyway, just accept the flaws. Wouldn't it be brilliant if we treated ourselves with the same kindness and forgiveness? We're human though and part of learning and growing is making mistakes. If we yelled at a baby when it was learning to walk and fell down, it would probably never want to get back up again. Same goes if we beat ourselves up when we make a mistake. The very fact you're aware you've made a mistake is understanding you don't want to act in that way again. A wasted life is one where mistakes are made and nothing but guilt is dished out. Guilt and punishment. Keeping yourself in a state of guilt and misery. Never moving on and never learning from it. Stuck. A waste. So, love yourself because you do deserve it. Forgive yourself if you mess up because it's likely you will and that's okay. Take care of yourself like you would a treasured friend. You have to spend the rest of your life with yourself. Really? Uh, how are you supposed to run off and have amazing adventures if you don't like the person that you're with? Lastly, what's the worst that can happen if you forgive yourself? More importantly, what's the best thing? I like that. Um, that's not the uh, whole piece. I've just uh, picked up uh, paragraphs, picked out paragraphs that... Uh, uh, just wanted to read so you can see the uh, full posting on icabeautifulfuture.com. Uh, time now for uh, this week's song, Overkill. Which song have you overplayed and why? As I predicted on show 45, I really have nailed that uh, Lana Del Rey Born to Die track. I think Pete uh, Pete Domican chose video games a couple of months back. Um, this week, I'm going for Sooner Than You Think, uh, New Order from the uh, Low Life album, which I think was around 85 or 86. Uh, listen to these guys every week, really. Uh, at a, uh, an email from John Welsh, um, who's a massive New Order fan, and they sent me a link to a, a very good uh, New Order documentary on BBC Six this week. I think it's four parts um, uh, called Substance. It's still up on the iPlayer. You can check it out. I think the second episode appears to finish abruptly. Um, but I like this song. I think there's few better examples Barney Sumner's voice sounding better. For me, it's the album where... They, where the band appears to finally have made that transition from Joy Division to New Order, that they're at the height of their powers, like they're aware of what they had 
was different to any anything else that they're on the right track that they've gone beyond that for me though the best live version of this song bizarrely is by a tribute band called reorder um and it's a a live performance of sooner than you think uh performed at the half moon in putney it's available on youtube and it's it's actually better than new orders live performances new orders live performances were always a bit up and down when they pull it off they were brilliant but uh i think too often barney summer's live vocals were that they were erratic and he obviously had uh, less of a problem was his uh, knack for forgetting lyrics. Uh, given that I often forget my uh, stand-up material on stage, I, I, I can't really criticise. Um, I think it's a hugely underrated song. I think Low Life is a superb album. I remember being blown away by it when I discovered it belatedly in the mid-90s. Uh, our friend from Japan, Paul Gaffey, song overkill, Elephant Stone by the Stone Roses, accidentally left it on repeat on my iPod and then ended up repeating it again on purpose. They're a band I rarely listen to, but when I do, I realise just how amazing they were. They promptly forget about them again. Uh, that's probably because uh, he's, uh, you know, making himself uh, available to, to the world's women. That's why. Um, only to make the same discovery observation the next time I come across them again in my playlist. Not my favourite uh, Stone Roses song, I don't think. Um, but one of the few bands from that time that I got into while they were at their best. Like the Pixies, I think. Um, I, I always tended to get into bands retrospectively. Always missed them when they were at their peak. But uh, I certainly didn't with the Stone Roses. Um, so yeah, that's Elephant Stone by the uh, Stone Roses. Uh, got a song overkill here submitted uh, by uh, Narnia, uh, EV80. Um, uh, this song, The Water Boys' Fisherman's Blues, came on the radio as I was cleaning my car. I was dancing to this song in 2001, as we know EV80 does like to dance, at an O'Neill's Chain Pub in sunny Cleethorpes. Cleethorpes, if I remember rightly, were a big power and it's a knockout in the 70s. Uh, I, I think I'm right. Um, when I witnessed a friend do the most spectacular projectile vomiting on the back window. Oh dear. Okay. I'd never seen the like before except on films such as Poltergeist and The Witches of Eastwick. Something only expensive special effects could produce. Realising I was the only one to witness this, nothing less than miraculous hurling performance, I acted to help the wretched girl before the possible embarrassment reached her. By inciting the sympathies of the woman outside the two insufficient ladies lose, I quickly managed to scale the mile-long queue, no mean feat in itself. Got the poor wretch cleaned up without so much as a laugh at her expense. On returning to the dance floor, I found my disappearance led people to believe that I was responsible for the six-foot-high vomit waterfall on the back window of <laughs> of O'Neill's. Uh, I'm doing all my good work. I pointed my finger at the culprit. Although early, she, early on, she felt she couldn't continue with the evening and went home. This song reminds me of that night and poor Pingu 1608. I do realise this could be traumatic for you to read as it involves ladies lose and vomiting. Well, uh, Evie, I've already had to cover um, the mess that is South Lambeth Road this week. So uh, I think probably any other week I, 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 I might have struggled uh, with this uh, song overkill submission. Um... Pete, uh, Pete has uh, emailed in, um, When Will I by Monty Montgomery. I doubt many of your listeners will have heard of him unless they're a guitarist. I first came across him in Tahoe City, California, where I was skiing. I'd never heard of him at the time, and a gig in a restaurant didn't look promising, but neither did another evening staying in a log cabin with only the bears outside for company. He is an amazing guitar player, even changing broken strings mid-song while playing perfectly on the other five strings. It was only later that I found out he was named one of the top 50 all-time greatest guitar players by Guitar Player magazine, and has such an aggressive style of playing that Alvarez designed a new guitar named after him with a reinforced neck. Uh, 
I checked that. Checked it out. You could certainly play the guitar. This guy. I don't think the song was my bag, but that's not what this feature is about. I, I, I'll say this: his, his fringe offended me slightly. Uh, and as an aside, he was uh, wearing a tie with a shirt that's so obviously not meant to have a tie. I don't understand what that's all about. But uh, if you want to see some good guitar playing, uh, I'd, I'd certainly check out uh, uh, Pete's submission. Uh, very impressive, and I think on, on an acoustic guitar uh, too. Uh, Pete, by the way has submitted a couple of Sherlock's, which I will read out uh, when I get some others in from uh, you listeners, just uh, email them in. Uh, Annie, uh, Annie uh, from the States, uh, my song Overkill Submission uh, this week, the story by Brandy Carlisle. Only let me know what you think if you like it. Uh, that's not how this works, Annie. Uh, I found it a bit shouty. I'll say this, uh, well, a bit country as well. I'm not too keen on country, but American female vocalists, there are so many, and so many good ones we don't really produce that many good female singers over here i've heard the theory proffer that that's because uh girls in their formative years are being force-fed um loads of boy band nonsense and so they get into that and they don't really uh, learn how to play an instrument properly they're, they're, they're buying all sorts of rubbish music is that right? I think it's an interesting theory uh, and it, I, I don't think I've heard a, a better explanation put forward for why we produce such uh, few noteworthy female singers unlike the Americans, you've got so many wonderful female uh, singers keep your song overkills coming in DRT at westegg1607.co.uk subject header song overkill You're listening to the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast, show 46, Love, Loss and Lattes. Lots of lattes coming to you from SW8 uh, London. When a show is running at an hour and nine minutes, uh, you probably want to sort of move on quickly. Uh, and it probably shows a, a lack of discipline on my part this week. Uh, when I tell you I want to talk about quicksand very quickly, I've long been fascinated by quicksand and I pulled off some facts of the net. And I think my fascination with quicksand... Uh, comes from uh, when I was a kid. I saw so many films where where people were killed by quicksand. Uh, quicksand forms when water saturates an area of loose sand, and the sand is agitated. When the water trapped in the sand can't escape, it creates liquefied soil that cannot support weight. I, I think I just about understand that. Uh, when undisturbed, quicksand often appears to be solid. Uh, but uh, a minor, less than 1% change in the stress on the quicksand will cause a sudden decrease in its viscosity. Um, after initial uh, disturbance, such as a person attempted to walk on it, the water and sand in the quicksand separate and dense regions of sand sediment form. Uh, it's because of this formation of these high volume fraction regions that the viscosity of the quicksand seems to increase suddenly. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, someone stepping on it will start to sink. We know that. To move within the quicksand, a personal object must apply sufficient pressure on the compacted sand to reintroduce enough water to liquefy it. Um, the forces, though, required to do this are quite la uh, large, apparently, to remove a foot from quicksand at a speed of 0 point, uh, sorry, 0 0.01 ms, I have no idea what that is, is m miles? I don't know, help me out here, would require the same amount of force as that required to lift a medium-sized car, or dare I say, my bedding. I've got 50 togs on there. Um, uh... But here's the thing, uh, because of the high density of the quicksand, it's impossible for a human or animal to completely sink in the quicksand. Though, obviously, you've got natural hazards, 
uh, present around a quicksand which would lead people to believe that quicksand is dangerous um, uh, you know uh, harsher elements like uh, dehydration hypothermia tides can harm you obviously if you're trapped in quicksand According to the information I pulled off, uh, off the net, the way to escape quicksand is to wiggle the legs to move as slowly as possible in order to reduce viscosity to try spreading your arms and legs far apart and leaning over to increase your surface area, which should allow you to float. Uh, given my current situation, obviously I don't envisage uh, encountering touchwood any uh, quicksand anytime soon. But, uh, interesting uh, piece here, uh, and this is... This is where my fascination with quicksand came in, because like I said, I must have seen so many films as a kid. Westerns, uh, films set in the jungle, where someone always, Tarzan films where someone always drowned in quicksand. Uh, people falling into, uh, and unrealistically being submerged in quicksand or a similar substance, is a trophy of adventure fiction, notably movies. According to uh, Slate, this gimmick had its heyday in the 1960s, when almost 3% of all films showed someone sinking in mud, sand or clay, but has since fallen out of use. The proliferation of quicksand scenes in movies has given rise to an internet subculture scene dedicated to the topic. There you go, people. Quicksand. Uh, email from our American friend Annie. Uh, wow, I never expected you to read out and answer the questions that I asked you. I had no expectations of that, and I'm hoping it didn't cause you any unnecessary strain. I must admit I'm having fun following you, but must also admit that I'm a bit like a butterfly and that I often tend to flutter off to the next thing. I wasn't aware that I was the next thing. I, I don't even think I was the last thing. Uh, Annie continues, but while you'll allow me to, I will continue to ask my questions. I think I've had girlfriends like Annie. You're, you're always aware they're just passing through. You're going to get dropped at some point. How do we keep Annie with us? Do we just let her move on and discover that next big thing? Email me, drt at westegg1607.co.uk uh, in the subject header, holding on to Annie. How do we keep her around with us for a bit longer? Will she still uh, still be with us around show 50? Uh, let's see how long she sticks around for. Maybe not for long after I didn't eulogise her song, Overkill. Um... Annie asks uh, this week, what was the early success in your life that you allude to from time to time? Um, I think I've talked about it before, and I think you yourself uh, said correctly that at times the show can be repetitious. It's partly because I don't actually, I never listen back to the show, partly because I'm quite scatty and don't often remember what I was talking about the previous week, and partly because when you're self-absorbed you will cover the same topics and the same issues that bother you and this was probably one of them um so you know i i i was a successfully commissioned writer for a number of years uh, every major british uh, broadcaster um also had a film uh, the film the, the issue with the film doesn't really bother me anymore it's uh, bubbles it was a straight to dvd film i was kicked off it by the director there's no mention of me in the credits but uh, if you want to see a film about what my uh, younger life was like that that's the film it was originally set in the spanish community transferred over to the greek community uh worked on it for seven or eight years from the mid 90s onwards director was an old friend of mine we fell out over it all you know cliches uh probably neither of us emerged with any credit um i didn't get paid uh the the, the woman they flew over from star trek the next generation and put up i think in a five-star hotel in finsbury park if that's possible uh, did get paid but you know what it's in the past and when i was having my successes i was told to distance myself from it it's uh, less of a problem now obviously so uh, i've never seen it I, i've never wanted to see it if anyone wants to see it you don't need to let me know what it's like but uh, i hope you enjoy it uh, we worked on it for a, a a long long time um i never thought that i would i, I would s stay there i don't think i was complacent I, I certainly didn't think i'd end up where i am now 
where I ended up last year. But, um, you know, the career, whatever it is, whatever situation it is in, and it's not a good situation, but where I am now is more important than when I was, uh, than where I was, sorry. That has gone, I accept that. I got there once, I can get there again, but, uh, you know, with a reordered sense of priorities, I think that's what I've learned. It's not the be-all and end-all. Uh, Annie continues, I was pleased to hear you say just how much you appreciate your aunt. Family is such an interesting and sometimes wonderful bond. It's almost the only relationship in our lives that we don't pick. We pick our friends, partners, doctors, dentists, etc., etc. But family requires something special from us. And how we treat that relationship says a lot about ourselves. Uh, do you have some sort of rubber shoe mat near your entry door? It would be a good place to put your shopping bag or your aunt's trolley. Actually, uh, my aunt's due to visit tomorrow. Uh, Hoover's still busted. It may be that she turns up with a trolley. She usually does uh, uh, travel with the trolley. Uh, in fact, she actually goes to that... Uh, grocers stroke fishmongers that got hit by that dog uh, earlier today so uh, i'm assuming that trolley's going to be uh, skimming uh, the 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 stain of what that dog did uh but she should be coming here first before she goes to the grocers i've got a contractor here tomorrow morning as well to look at the uh, the, the the long-standing issue with the roof uh, i i just want to keep him out of the loo as much as i want him to be able to identify the uh, the, the the issue with the roof uh, I really need the Hoover to feel properly clean. At the moment, I'm sweeping everything up. I don't want to replace the Hoover till I till I've been able to work out whether I can fix uh, the vacuum cleaner. Simply because uh, when I leave this flat, I'll have to leave a brand new vacuum cleaner behind. I'm not I'm not happy about that. Also, not happy with my foot wiping technique. It's 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 like I've got complacent. It's like I think it was simply enough to set up the antechamber consciously this week. Actually, since I got Annie's email. Um, Mentioning the doormat, uh, I've conscious that I need to make more of an effort to wipe my feet once I'm indoors. It's uh, actually a few things that indicate to me my high standards are slipping. For instance, I, I dropped gum outside the gates the other day, and I just stood there looking at it. It was a full pack off the main road, but you know the ground wasn't clean. I remember that someone had recently spat there, which I talked about on the show. Um, I didn't understand why someone would spit right up by the gates because you, unless you're coming into the flat into the flats you don't need to be that close to the gate so i don't know whether that was a courier or a postman i mean you know months on i'm still thinking about who did it why would they have done it i went back for the gum no way i could lose it uh got home uh opened the packet of gum uh fashioned a gum dispenser from an empty basics range uh, ground black pepper dispenser uh washed it out several times washing up liquid uh put the gum in there still carrying a hint of pepper uh, probably need to wash it out a bit more hot water and some fairy liquid but uh, yeah I'm not happy with where I am on that front right now still uh, room for improvement on the foot wiping uh, technique uh, Annie uh, says the reason I asked you about John Oliver is because it seems that British writers and comics seem to be taken uh, America by storm I see you as the Jerry Seinfeld of London with all your unique uh, unique observations and quirks coincidentally quirky fossil is my husband's Twitter name um, Kind of you to say the uh, Jerry Seinfeld uh, thing. I, I, I see myself more as a Marvin Gaye in his sort of broken Belgian period. Probably seven or eight years away from killing some relative. Or being killed by some relative, rather. Yeah, Marvin Gaye got done by his dad, didn't he? Uh, lastly, uh, I don't know what that sound was. Obviously, uh, I, 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 do I leave that in now? Do I leave that sound in? I'm not sure. I think I'm going to leave it in. See what you make of the sound. Email me next week telling me what you think happened there with that sound. It wasn't really me clearing my throat. I don't know what happened there. Uh, what, what is one of your most valued possessions? I think one of my most valued possessions um, 
It's a little elephant. My mum, towards the end, I don't know when it start, started collecting elephants. And I've got them all here. They're all right in front of me right now. But there's a, a little one that... I think I'm touching it now. It's uh, plastic as opposed to most of the others, which are china or wood. And uh, I used to play with this when I was back at the house, when we were back at Mayflower. I remember that. And, and, and it just literally in the months before my mum passed away, I became aware that she was collecting these elephants. I never knew where it had come from, whether it was a long-standing thing. And uh, for a couple of years after she passed away, I used to carry it everywhere with me. Now it just stays here. And also matches watch. Uh, uh, I was given his watch. I don't like the uh, the metal strap, but I've kept it. And uh, I don't like wearing watches. It's a nice watch, and I've like I like watches. I just don't like wearing them, so I always take it off wherever I go. But uh, I wear it with me um, a lot of the time, and uh, I'm conscious I'm wearing a you know something that belonged to uh, a great friend, and. Uh, you know, that's important. That's important to me. Uh, please consider Suzanne finally looking up your nearest bread bakery to hang out near and enjoy the smell. It's quite pleasant. I used to have to drive by one on my way to work. I miss that smell. Maybe I should bake a loaf. I think we've only got Greg's round here. We've got the uh, Sainsbury's further down the road. But uh, we used to have a bakery, actually, uh, down the road. And that's closed down now, made way for a cost cutters. Uh, carry on, new friend. Finishes Annie. Will she be back next week? I don't know. I think that's me done, though, for this week. Uh, please rate and review the show on iTunes if you have an account with them. Thanks to those of you who already have. It doesn't take you long, people. Uh, it gives me a greater incentive to keep doing this show and developing it. Uh, I say it every week. As I say, uh, around show 52, I will be resubmitting the feed to iTunes and uh, making a, a, a new push during my uh, planned break uh, on the marketing front. You can also listen to the show on Jellycast, Mixcloud, and give Stitcher Radio a chance, because if you listen to it via Stitcher Radio, who you can follow on uh, Twitter, that doesn't come off the bandwidth. And uh, when you're turning out long shows like I currently am, out of loneliness, bandwidth is important. You've also got the Facebook group, the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. You can uh, ask to join that. Uh, email the show, drt at westex1607.co.uk. Uh, next week's show, get your song overkills in. You've got details of how to order shows. 1 to 43 are on the blog, 1607westegg.wordpress.com. Thanks for listening. Uh, look after yourselves in the meantime. Be content. Be thankful that you have your health and that maybe you're with someone that you love who loves you back. Because I think that might be the key to a good life. And heating. Heating uh, heating's important. Turn, up, uh, turn your heating up a notch just for me. Mentally project that heat towards me. And uh, that person that you know is on their own and doesn't have what you have in your life, check up on them from time to time. It's not all about you. And said that, I've just spent the last hour and a quarter talking about myself. I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson. Next week, people. Next week. <laughs>